Hi, it's Dr. Robert Seikert with another great episode of Dr. Podcast. I'm really pleased to have my guest here today, Dr. Daniel LaRoche. He's a board-certified ophthalmologist, and he's a clinical associate professor of ophthalmology at the Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York City, very prestigious institution. He's also an attending physician and ophthalmologist at the NYU Langone Medical Center, and also at the New York Eye and Ear Infirmary. Dr. Uh, LaRoche is one of the top glaucoma specialists in the New York City metropolitan area and probably uh, Northeast uh, USA as well. He has extensive experience with glaucoma. He's published many research papers uh, on glaucoma and does continuing research in that subject. Uh, Dr. LaRoche has especially extensive expertise with glaucoma in the black and Latino population who have uh, more issues with glaucoma, and we'll be discussing that soon. He's also the uh, uh, president of Advanced Eye Care, which has offices in both Queens and Upper Manhattan in Harlem, and uh, has uh, extensive experience with many patients with glaucoma. He's also the former chair of ophthalmology of the, of the ophthalmology section of the National Medical Association. So I'm very pleased, Daniel, thank you very much uh, for coming today. I really appreciate your time. I know you're extremely busy, but the audience will love this because at the end of this program, they'll know everything there is to know about uh, glaucoma. Now, uh, patients, I find, often confuse what glaucoma is. They're not sure what it is. Can you explain to us what glaucoma is? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. My Appreciate pleasure. That. Thanks. And congratulations on your show. Thank it's you. It's great to be able to educate the public about eye diseases and different medical issues. Uh, specifically with glaucoma, if you touch your eye, okay, the eye has a pressure. Mean normal intraocular pressure in the general population is about 15 with aging, with enlargement of the lens, that eye pressure can drift up higher to about 18 or higher. When you get to a pressure of about 18 or higher, that can lead to damage to the nerve inside the eye, the nerve that connects the eye to the brain. And when that nerve gets damaged, you get loss of peripheral vision that can occur. So usually glaucoma is associated with elevated eye pressure that can lead to damage of the optic nerve that can lead to loss of vision. I see. Now, there are different types of glaucoma, right? There, there's The most common is open-angle glaucoma, it's called, and there's something called acute glaucoma or narrow-angle glaucoma. Can you explain the difference between those two? Sure. Inside the eye, there's a drain. It's called the trabecular meshwork, okay? And that drain is normally open. It's at that junction of the cornea and the iris, and that's open like that. Now, that can get blocked up with pigment over time, but the opening is open, so that's called open-angle glaucoma. If that angle closes up like this due to enlargement of the lens or iris bowing, where the iris obstructs that drain, that's called angle-closure glaucoma. Sometimes uh, babies can be born with a defective drain. That's called congenital glaucoma. So usually most of the uh, diagnosis around the different types of glaucoma occurs of what the mechanism that's affecting that drain or closing that drain. Uh, there's uveitic glaucoma where inflammation blocks the drain. There's neovascular glaucoma where abnormal blood vessels grow over the drain and block it. And so there's a variety of secondary glaucomas that can occur as well. 
from injuries and previous surgery and things like that. Yes. Now with acute glaucoma, you, you can get severe pain and it's sudden and acute, right? Yeah, or when you have acute angle closure attack of glaucoma, usually that's when the eye pressure goes from a normal of around 15 or two, uh, range to 18 range, and it shoots up to as high as 40 or 50. That shoot up causes acute pain in the eye. And that's when you can't feel pain, see halos around lights, and have symptoms of redness of your eyes. And then you can know something's wrong and go into the emergency room and then get that diagnosed and treated. But um, open angle glaucoma tends to be more insidious, slower progressive, a lower rise in pressure that you don't feel. And so, and that could be more problematic in detecting that. Right, because you have no symptoms, you think everything's okay until you've lost a lot of vision. Correct. And the vision that's lost from glaucoma is not reversible, right? Once you lose it, it's pretty much uh, gone, right? Well, there's some new studies. Most of the time, once you've lost the vision, it's hard to come back. But if you catch it early and you get a treatment, with, usually with surgery, uh, glaucoma surgery, lowering the eye pressure, there are part of the nerve cells, the retina ganglion cells that are affected that are damaged but can reverse themselves in that respect. And you can't get expansion of the visual field in some patients. So I never give up on the eye. I always try to lower the pressure and give it time because you can get some reversal, improvement in vision, some expansion of the visual field by treating uh, and lowering the pressure for cells that are not fully dead yet. So like many other diseases, early diagnosis and early treatment prevents uh, disasters uh, down the road, right? Absolutely. The most common type, the open angle glaucoma, that doesn't give you any symptoms. What age group does that occur in? That usually occurs in people over the age of 50. And what happens is that the lens inside the eye gets larger. The lens thickness gets larger. And when that gets larger, that compresses the drain in the eye. Also, it rubs up against the iris-releasing pigment that further blocks the drain. And then the pressure starts to drift up from the fifth decade to the sixth decade, seventh decade, and eighth decade. And so it's important for everyone over the age of 50 to get their eyes checked, check your eye pressure, um, check your corneal thickness, uh, check uh, your optic nerve to make sure everything is okay. And that, you know, you're not in a situation where you have poor vision due to a cataract or a large lens is contributing to elevated pressure where you could take out that lens early to help prevent glaucoma. So if you're 50 or above, you should get checked about once a year. Is that good advice? Once a year is good, absolutely. Right. And if there's a, a family history of it, that's that's even more reason to, to get it absolutely annually. Uh, what percentage of, of patients have glaucoma in the general population would you say? About, it could range from about 2% in some groups, could be a little bit higher, or 4 to 8% in other groups. And it usually goes by the different decades in your life. Uh, in the fifth decade, it's a low percentage, about 1% to 2%. But as you go to sixth decade, seventh decade, eighth decade, there's a higher percentage in the eighth decade. 80 plus could be as high as uh, 12 to 15%. Wow. It's pretty high. Yeah. So the older you get, the more important it is to see an ophthalmologist like Dr. LaRoche to, to get the pressure checked and also have other tests. Some of my patients are nervous about getting tested or, or screened for glaucoma. Can you explain what that process is and that, that it's not dangerous, it's not risky, 
uh, it doesn't hurt. Can you explain a bit? Sure, more? sure. When a patient comes into the office, uh, first we'll take a history. We'll just ask questions about your health overall, your family history, the medications you're taking, if you have any allergies and things of that nature, just to get an overview of your health. Uh, then we'll check your vision. Uh, we'll check the eye pressure. We'll check the eye movements uh, in that respect. And uh, if you're at higher risk where you have an abnormal eye pressure, then we'll place a lens on the eye to look at the drainage angle to see if that's open or closed. Uh, we'll dilate the eyes, take a look at the lens, check for cataracts, take a look at the inside of your eye with the optic nerve with a small light and the retina. And if there's any abnormalities or suspected abnormalities, we may do some additional testing like an OCT, optical coherence tomography, which takes a picture and measures the nerve thickness inside your eye to see if that's normal compared to others. Uh, if suspicious, if needed, we may do a visual field test, which is a machine that checks the peripheral vision of the eye in that respect. Uh, and so, you know, that would be the general workup if needed in a patient. Um, you know, the screening could take anywhere from about, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. If we need to do additional tests, then the average patient may be there for about an hour and a half. Uh, but there's no pain, there's no injections, no needles. And, uh, you know, you'll learn a lot about your eyes and your health as well. And uh, form a relationship with your doctor. It's very important to help preserve your eye health. So that's critical. The testing and screening for glaucoma doesn't hurt, doesn't cause pain. It's z essentially zero risk. And if, if you catch it early, it's, it's treatable. Now, I understand you're, you're an innovator and you've created a special calculator to determine at what risk people are for glaucoma. Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, you can Google it. It's called the LaRoche Glaucoma Calculator. Is that on your website? Um, it's it's, it's, it's on a, Yes, yeah. you can get it through the website also. Just through a Google search, it'll come up. And it's a way that people can at home check for their risk of glaucoma. Uh, you need to know what your age is. You need to know what your eye pressure is. So next time you go to the doctor, make sure you know what your eye pressure is. And you need to know what's your central corneal thickness. That's the measurement of the central corneal thickness. And there's a number assigned depending on your age it goes up, eye pressure goes up. As the cornea gets thinner, the number goes up. And if you're from 0 to 5, you're low risk. We reevaluate you once a year. If you're 6 to 18, that's higher risk. And you should get a full eye exam immediately with some of the testing that I mentioned about corneoscopy, um, uh, taking the optic nerve, OCT, and visual field to see if you are, if you have glaucoma one, or if you're at risk for glaucoma, if your, your um, drainage angle is narrow, because there are things we can do like earlier cataract surgery to help lower the pressure and uh, give you treatment if you do have glaucoma to help prevent blindness. That's important to know. So most people know their age. That, that's a given. Um, if you go to the eye doctor, you can get your eye pressure. But another test that's not done by every eye doctor is the central corneal thickness, which, again, is easy, simple, quick to do. doesn't hurt, zero risk. So whenever patients should go to eye doctor, they should find out what their corneal thickness is, right? That's one of my missions is to educate people about uh, knowing what their corneal thickness is, educating doctors to measure the corneal thickness. We measure on everybody that comes into the office because it's a, a very powerful um, risk factor for glaucoma, uh, sometimes more powerful than intraocular pressure. And so everybody knows about eye pressure, but not too many people know about the essential corneal thickness risk. And so that's very important. Right, and that's something you're kind of born with. It doesn't change. It's, it's kind of fixed over time. It's probably genetically determined. 
Yes. So once yes. you know what it is, it's it's not going to change, and that's why the calculator is is helpful. Correct. All right. That that's uh, good to know. Good for patients to know. Um, now, glaucoma is called often the silent thief of vision. Can you, I think you touched on that a little bit already, but I think it's important to stress that to people in the audience, why it's called the silent thief of vision? Yes, it's called the silent thief of vision because the elevated eye pressure that occurs, you don't really feel it. You'll be walking around thinking everything's normal, I see fine, I see fine. And then several years later, if you have not had an eye examination, and if you have glaucoma, one day accidentally you may cover one eye and then realize you don't see out of the other eye. And I've seen that happen. Right. And they say, Doc, you know, I covered my eyes, and all of a sudden I just realized I couldn't see in that eye. And then by the time I examined them, they have very advanced glaucoma in both eyes where they've gone blind in one eye, and they have 80% loss in the other eye because it was just a slow, gradual thing that they got used to, and they never got their eye pressure checked. They never got an eye examination, and by the time they come see me, maybe their pressure's in the 30s, and they've lost so much vision. So that's why it's important for everyone to get their eyes checked, particularly over the age of 50, to make sure that your eye pressure's okay, your optic nerve is okay, your lens is okay, and your eye health is okay. I think it's just as important as seeing your primary care doctor to check for blood pressure, right. which is another silent killer, to check for diabetes. And the other things you can do to help prevent this, like uh, eating healthy, lots of salads, lots of vegetables, baked chicken, baked fish, exercising 30 minutes a day, that helps improve the blood flow to the eye, and meditation. Meditation, relaxation, um, by uh, meditating uh, 15 minutes a day, deep breathing through your nose, that lowers your eye pressure and your blood pressure by about 20%. Really? So those things, those three things right. right there are huge to help prevent glaucoma, help prevent high blood pressure, help prevent diabetes, and help improve overall health. I, I didn't know that about meditation. It, it actually lowers the eye pressure. Yes. Hmm. And mindfulness also? Mindfulness, yeah. Mindfulness, meditation, relaxation. Absolutely. Yeah, we should all try to be in a more relaxed state more of the time, but uh, the world is kind of hectic and crazy. Uh, another thing I want to ask you about glaucoma, is it genetically inherited or is it familial? Does it run in families? What What's the current state of knowledge about that? Yeah, there are genetic links with glaucoma, with congenital glaucoma. There are several genes that have been identified, uh, myceline gene glaucoma from juvenile open-angle glaucoma. Also, there are some genes with the lens thickness in the eye. The PTPRM uh, gene has been found with lens thickness and angle closure as well. So there are definitely genetic links. So if someone has a family history of glaucoma, you want to make sure you get your eyes checked once a year uh, because there's a high chance that you'll probably develop it as you get older. And anyone who has glaucoma, everyone in your family should get checked once a year uh, to make sure that those people don't uh, develop glaucoma, and if they do, we can treat it now and prevent blindness nowadays. Right. So if you have one of those genes that increases your risk of glaucoma, there may be other family members as well. So yes. once you're diagnosed, you should let everybody in your family know. Um, so that's important because I, I see patients who occasionally tell me a brother and sister and a parent has it, and then you know, the antennas go up, uh, and uh, I want to check that very carefully. Uh, now, glaucoma seems to be more common in, in black patients, Latino patients, and it also seems to be more difficult to treat in those patients. Uh, can you explain why that is and, and 
your research in that area and in that field? Yeah, I, I spent a great deal of time looking at this. And um, wherever you go, whether it's United States, South America, Europe, Africa, uh, the prevalence of glaucoma is higher in the black population uh, and the rates of blindness are higher in the black population. One thing that's unique about all of these places is because, you know, we have a, you know, the sort, you know, the bad history of slavery, right. um, segregation, uh, and colonization. And all those things took place in all these parts of the world. And just like in the United States now, if you go to most black communities, you'll see that black people live on one side of town and the white population lives on the other side of town or certain neighborhoods. And if you look at those neighborhoods, most of the doctors or Caucasian living in the white neighborhoods, there are very few black doctors in the black neighborhoods. So access to care is a big issue in right. that respect. So there's a lack of doctors in black neighborhoods in the United States, South America, tremendous shortage of doctors throughout Africa. And so there's a lack of access to care. So people that have glaucoma are not accessing care early enough. They're not accessing cataract surgery early enough. So that's a big issue right there. That's one. Two, the iris pigmentation. Black patients, people are more pigmented. Right. And the iris is more pigmented. And when you have lens iris rubbing, you have more pigment release and obstruction of the trabecular meshwork. So it clogs up that the That can clog up shadows. the meshwork more right. as well. So those are two factors that I find is a big issue. And I think once we train more surgeons, one we once we train more black physicians to meet the needs in the black communities, um, and once we screen better, um, we can break down that gap in terms of prevalence, incidence, and rates of blindness. And right. so those are some of the things I'm involved in in that respect. Because uh, when we when I did the calculator, race was not an issue. Right. It was age, IOP, and central corneal thickness. Mm -hmm. Race is not an issue. You could do it in a white population, a black population. You put those parameters in, you'll get the same results in terms of the risk in that respect. And so that, that's been my finding along those lines. So we have to educate more and uh, diversify the workforce for ophthalmologists to meet the needs in these underserved areas. So it's a combination of access and uh, probably more pigment in the eye that's clogging up the uh, drainage channels. Very interesting. Good to know. Um, the treatment for glaucoma, uh, I believe, primarily is various types of eye drops. Can you go over uh, that somewhat? Which drops are used and how successful are eye drops in treating glaucoma? Yes, uh, the preferred practice pattern of the American Academy of Ophthalmology says initially for patients that are diagnosed with open angle glaucoma should be treated with eye drops. Then laser can be done to treat uh, laser and then surgery thereafter. In terms of eye drops, there's different classes of eye drops. Prostaglandins, the most commonly used first line eye drop medication is used once a day. It lowers the eye pressure by about 30%, has very minimal side effects, so it's very uh, effective. But usually that alone is not enough to control glaucoma. Most patients are on two or more medications. Other, there are combination medications. They include beta blockers, carbonic anhydrous inhibitors, alpha agonists. Uh, those are second line usually. Uh, they have maybe a little more side effects. Beta blockers can affect your respiration, shortness of breath, decreased libido, 
uh, exacerbate dementia. So I like to stay away from that in the elderly population. Right. Carbonic anhydrous inhibitors can have side effects of redness in the eye, stinging in the eye, uh, but they work well to lower the pressure. Alpha agonists work well. They're contraindicated in children. Uh, could affect respiration, but they can cause redness in the eye in that respect. Uh, other uh, newer class is natarsidil that's come out. That works really well to lower the pressure by about four points, but um, it can cause redness in the eye, and sometimes people don't like that redness yeah. that's there. Uh, there's another pilocarpine that's not as often used, but does work very well, particularly in people who've had their cataracts taken out. In pseudophagic patients, it works well to lower the pressure. And then there's an oral pill called acetazolamide or Diamox that's very powerful to lower the eye pressure. It's a pill that you take, but it does have side effects, can cause kidney stones, paresthesias, a bad taste in the mouth, increased diuresis, sometimes decreased lethargy, or increased lethargy, I'm sorry. Right. And so, you know, these can have side effects. But the problem with approaching glaucoma with the eye drop first is that it really doesn't affect what the main cause is. And oftentimes, people who have this open-angle glaucoma usually have a lens that's too large for their eye. So my approach to glaucoma is really offering earlier surgery with earlier cataract surgery, microinvasive glaucoma surgery, because the earlier you do that, 80% of the time you don't need eye drops thereafter because you've addressed the mechanism of the glaucoma. Uh, laser surgery, some people do a laser, which is called SLT, selective laser trabeculoplasty, which is doing a light laser to the trabecular meshwork. That works to lower the pressure in some people, but it just um, it doesn't, once again, address the mechanism of the lens in the eye. Uh, studies have shown that taking a cataract out and placing a stent in, it works better than the laser in terms of lowering the pressure. Uh, and when you do the laser, it can lower the pressure and buy you some time, but over a five or six year period, you know, then you'll need another intervention that can occur. Uh, and then doing a laser can, uh, instead of the earlier surgery, can delay some of the success rate of earlier surgery. There's a study by Aksuda in Japan that shows that uh, people who were on medications for several years didn't have as good a result with earlier cataract surgery and microinvasive glaucoma surgery. Right, plus uh, many patients just have difficulty using multiple drops. The compliance factor becomes an issue. The more drops you add, the less likely they're going to take all these drops every day because they're busy or doing other things or they forget. So uh, laser is, is helpful and surgery uh, in some patients. So, so can you tell us, just going back uh, some time, why did you decide to become a doctor and, and why specifically an ophthalmologist and then specifically a glaucoma specialist? What, what led you to do that? Well, I was very fortunate. My dad was a physician. He was an anesthesiologist. And so I grew up in a household. My mom was a nurse. So I grew up in a medical household, so I had right. been exposed to medicine. And I liked, you know, what I saw in some of the sciences and things of that nature. So that intrigued me. When I was in high school, I did well in science. When I was in college, I did well in science. So I decided to pursue a pre-medical curriculum. When I got into medical school, um, I liked surgery. And when I did a rotation in ophthalmology and you were able to actually see uh, disease processes in the eye. You can see diabetes. You can see hypertension by looking inside the eye. And you can do surgery to remove cataracts to improve vision. Um, that was very attractive to me. I really enjoyed that. So that nice combination of seeing disease processes and intervening surgically. And the people in ophthalmology were very nice as well. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into ophthalmology. And then uh, when I was at Howard University, I was doing ophthalmology there. 
uh, I saw a lot of glaucoma in the African population, you know, African-American population. Right. It was a big cause of blindness. Uh, Roy Wilson and Roger P. Mason had just come up with their study, a St. Lucia study, that showed a high prevalence of blindness and rate of glaucoma in St. Lucia as well. And so that really intrigued me. I was like, well, why is there so much a high rate of glaucoma? What can we do to prevent this blindness? So then I said, okay, I want to go into this field and learn everything I can about it to try to, you know, help prevent blindness. And so I did a fellowship at New York Carnegie with Dr. Robert Rich, Jeff Liebman, and Dave Greenfield. And that was a great fellowship. And then I started my practice in Harlem and Southeast Queens. And, you know, I've been doing this for the last 25 years. And we made tremendous progress right. to learn more about the disease, learn how the enlarging lens contributes to the disease process, and how we can prevent blindness with earlier surgery, with cataract surgery, microinvasive glaucoma surgery, uh, and early detection. So, so that's a little bit about my story. Right. For people out in the audience, young people who are thinking of becoming a doctor or a physician, tell us how many years after college does it take to get to where you are to be a glaucoma specialist? Well, we need, for the young folks, we definitely need more uh, great doctors, more great ophthalmologists. If you have a passion for medicine, definitely pursue it. Um, you have to go through four years of college, four years of medical school. I did an internship at Montefiore in the Bronx. Uh, then I went to three years at Howard University for ophthalmology residency, one year specialty training in glaucoma. But even after that, when you are fully trained, it's really a lifelong learning because you read journal articles, you go to meetings to get CME credits every year, and you're constantly learning, increasing your game, adding to your skills, researching, trying to advance the science to make your contribution to, uh, to advance the knowledge and advance the care for our patients. That's uh, very inspiring, and people listening out there, I hope you follow in Dr. LaRoche's footsteps. Now, I didn't know you had any extra time after doing everything that you're doing, taking care of all the patients, doing the surgery, but I understand that you're also a musician and have the number one hit song on the planet uh, dealing with eye pressure. Can you uh, tell us about that? It's called Check Your Eye Pressure. Yeah, well, I'm not a musician. I have to correct that, I'm a songwriter. Oh, okay. I wrote the song. Check your eye pressure. Check your eye pressure. Because, you know, when we're educating a population, we like to use different medium. You know, uh, people get the information in different ways. And so I, I can talk. We're doing a podcast. Right. I could talk to the patient in the office. Um, you know, sometimes you're on a radio show. And this is just another medium to educate people. So uh, both of the co-singers were my patients. Oh, okay? really? Yeah, they're my patients. And they have a band. And I collaborated with them. I said, I got a song I want to write. And I collaborated with them. They both male and female sing the song, uh, Siobhan Poulard. And um, we were able to do this song. It has a nice Caribbean rhythm. We were able to uh, make a music video on YouTube, eye pressure video. And it's in two languages. It's in Haitian Creole, really? okay, because glaucoma is a big cause of blindness in Haiti. And it's in English. And during the music video also, we show... Um, uh, what the patients go through with the testing, what the normal pressure is of 15, high pressure of 18 or higher. We show surgery clips from New York Eye and Ear and Island Eye. And so we demy demystify what the 
eye exam looks like to upbeat song so people will be motivated to go get their eyes checked. Well, that's great. So yeah. it's a song, but also a video. Yes. And where can people purchase this? Um, the videos on YouTube. So you go to YouTube, Eye Pressure, Daniel LaRoche, the video will come up. If you put Eye Pressure Creole, the Creole version will come up. Pression Genou. And you can go to iTunes, Spotify, and pull it up. And so um, if you have glaucoma, you want to educate people about glaucoma, it's just another mechanism to uh, educate and get the word out. That's clever. It uh, puts the meme in their head about checking their eyes uh, for glaucoma. Is, is this linked in your website also? Um, is there a link to it? I'm not sure if there's a link. I don't you got to make a link <laughs> think, there. Come on. I, I, I think... We may have mentioned that. I, have to, may, I may have to update well, that. because well, <laughs> Now you're going to get millions of people on Twitter watching this, and so, they're all going so, yeah. to want this. So millions of people learn about it now. Yeah. Um, you know, medicine is changing very rapidly, as you, as you mentioned previously. What do you think is going to occur in ophthalmology and glaucoma in the next, let's say, five to ten years? Well, there's a lot going on. Um, Artificial intelligence is very big right now. And with artificial intelligence, with images and screening, taking a picture of the eye, the, a computer can make a diagnosis of glaucoma by taking a picture of the optic nerve. Eventually, maybe taking a picture of the drain in your eye. Um, we're doing some work with pigment densitometry to look at the amount of pigment in the trabecular mesh with and imaging that. And so we're doing some of that preliminary work right now. Uh, so AI is a big thing. Uh, education is important, and then earlier surgery, too. Um, cataract surgery is so much safer today than it was 25 years ago. Uh, we can do cataract surgery in about 10 minutes now, and people can go home and see the same day. Uh, and so with that, that's a big cause of glaucoma, the large lens in the eye. So as we offer that earlier to patients, we can prevent glaucoma and really intervene earlier, reduce the number of medications people need. So that's exciting. But we do have to train more surgeons uh, continue to advance the science and the safety of surgery as well. Uh, it's pretty safe. The risks and the complications are very low right now, but still we want to make it zero in that respects. But that's exciting. Yeah. Some doctors I've spoken to in other specialties are concerned that AI may actually get rid of them. AI may become better than, than the doctors in diagnosing things. Uh, what what do you think about that? You, you think know, that's that's a legitimate concern because I think in some specialties like radiology, where you're looking at X-ray images, it's all imaging. The, the computer can read the image better than the doctor. Um, we've sort of learned that. What I advise young medical students coming up and residents is that look, you know, make sure you learn a skill using your hands or surgery or something you know that a computer can't do people still need you right? because that will always be a need. So as a surgeon, being able to, you know, prevent blindness from glaucoma with earlier cataract surgery and do these types of things, um, you know, people will always need my services for that and I can help prevent that and prevent blindness from that. And the AI can't do those types of things. For now, although there's some talk maybe 10 years from now, AI plus a robot may do surgery better than we do. Well, I, and I think, you know, as technology evolves, we'll have to evolve. Right. And then if that's the case, if a robot can do it, then, you know, you have to be part of the designing team of the robot or the management team or the repair team of the robot. So, you know, there's going to be a role where 
we, we just have to see what our role is going to be as we move on in that respect. So you just have to keep it on mind. One of my favorite co- quotes is uh, from Bruce Lee when he says you have to be like water because if you put water in a round cup, it takes the shape of that cup. If you right. put it in a square cup, it takes the shape of that cup. So you have to be like water and be flexible depending on that situation. That's that's great. Bruce Lee was great martial arts and also a very clever guy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very interesting quote. Well, thanks very much uh, for coming today. This was incredibly informative, educational, and also entertaining. <laughs> so we appreciate your time for coming today. I think the audience is going to learn a lot about glaucoma, see their eye doctors for screening, and uh, save vision around the world. Thanks very much, Daniel. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. All right. My pleasure.